As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, it's become an annual tradition for the 49ers, not just the stay over at the Greenbrier, but they lick their wounds from injuries at the Greenbrier in between artificial turf games at the Greenbrier. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Matt is actually out in West Virginia at the Greenbrier. He was a practice, and the first practice of the week for the 49ers featured a lot of missing names, including their entire starting defensive line. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and Samson Ebucom all out. All the injuries you probably already had heard of, but the Ebucom one is new. An Achilles, but not a torn Achilles. Shanahan said Achilles tendonitis due to the turf that the 49ers played on in Carolina. So just, uh, you know, that's only part of it, but just a whole rash of injuries and the 49ers as they end this week to prepare for a game against the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday are either going to have to heal up quickly, Matt, or they're going to really, really test their depth, especially on the defensive end against the Falcons. Yeah, I would um, uh, kind of characterize it like this. Eric Armstead has already been ruled out of this game. He didn't even make the trip east for the 49ers, so he won't play. And then uh, the next most serious injury is Javon Kinlaw's knee. Uh, that's still bothering him. He didn't practice at all. Uh, Nick Bosa is probably next on that list with, with the groin. Uh, and then Ebucom with this uh, this Achilles tweak, I guess. Uh, Shanahan went out of his way to say that it was turf-related. Um, Aaron Banks uh, has a knee issue that's also turf-related. <laughs> There's one team in this league that is uh, decidedly anti-turf, it's the uh, it's the 49ers. They like the playing on the grass. I will say that for somebody with a, a groin injury, I watched Nick Bosa work out on a side field uh, for about 40 minutes, and it was a pretty extensive workout. Uh, I don't know what this this movement is called, but it's the one where uh, the guy kind of lifts his knee and then uh, kind of rotates the leg to the outside as he's moving backwards. Uh, Bosa did that a number of times, moving very quickly. Uh, I guess what I'm saying, Dennis, is that it doesn't seem like a really serious long-term injury, uh, but you know, by, by the same token, they're trying to prevent it from becoming that type of injury. And if, if there's no Nick Bosa, it's going to be a lot of uh, Charles Amenahue 
And a lot of your guy, Drake Jackson, uh, could have uh, his most expensive game of the season Sunday in Atlanta. Yeah, and when we talk about Nick Bosa in, in a growing pool, I mean, if you watch this guy play, he's like a track. He's like a track runner. I mean, he lines up in that four-point stance, and he is fully extended, low to the ground, and it looks like a you know, like he's taken off for the hundred-yard dash. So, I mean, one thing you don't want with him and the way he plays, and you know, a, a growing pool is you know, it, it eliminates a, a lot of eliminates a lot of lateral movement because you can't push off. You don't have the strength. But uh, you can't have a, a growing injury that just keeps coming back. And I think that's probably the fear because I think his brother is out now or was out with the kind of the same injury. And it's it's tough. I mean, once, once you kind of pull it, if you don't stretch it a lot before a game or before practice, you just keep kind of aggravating the thing. So – the way Nick Bosa plays, and especially the way you know, with that get off and that track stance, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I don't know what the injury report is on him if you let him sit for the Atlanta game and hopefully let him rest and bring him back for the Kansas City game when you really need him, or if it's something you just got to stretch and and you know get some heat on it, get it nice and stretched out, and have him go out and play. You know, this this defensive line is now beat up, right? It's pretty darn beat up, so. Guys have to have to step up, and um, and that's I mean it's a deep defensive line. But what you don't want is having Nick Bosa out for the remainder of the season. So you really got to be cautious of this growing injury. Yeah, and and his brother Joey Bosa actually underwent surgery recently. I don't think he's going to miss the the full season, but he's on IR, and it's possible that Nick, knowing you know what happened to Joey was playing out of an abundance of caution in Carolina when he didn't play in that second half. That would be the 49ers hope. And based on what Matt's saying, based on Bosa undergoing a, an extensive workout at practice at the Greenbrier, uh, it does appear that there's evidence in line for that. But Bosa obviously so important to this defense. Leads the NFL and pro football focuses pass rush win rate. Sansom Ebucom out with the Achilles tendonitis of, uh, out of practice on Wednesday is number 11. But guys that, you know, Charles Amenahu, he's still healthy. He's, he's still in that lineup for the 49ers right now. Practice. He's ranked number seven or number four. Sorry, he's, he's ranked in the top five of pass rush win rate amongst qualifying edge rushers so far this year. So, I mean, it, it, we talk about injuries, but then we have to talk about, well, how do the 49ers fix this? How do the 49ers overcome this? In that D-line room, they're going to do it with depth, right? And let's just sit back and say how impressive it is that Amenahu has this extremely impressive win rate clip. And he was the guy that they basically picked off of a scrap heap last year. Houston didn't want him. What did the 49ers trade with Houston? Like a sixth round pick? Yeah. And uh, I mean, Amenahu called it a, a circus show running running stuff in, in Houston. He, he had a couple colorful quotes and I think he was right. I mean, it, does, it looks like they completely squandered that potential and Chris Kacarek is making uh, good use of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, if let's just say that that starting line doesn't play in Atlanta. Um, and I don't think that will be the case, but it, it, it could be. Uh, then you would have um, probably, because the, the Falcons run so much, the, the likely starting unit for the 49ers would be Amenahu and Kerry uh, Hyder at defensive end and um, Hassan Ridgeway and Kevin Givens at, uh, at defensive tackle. And certainly no real household names among them, but that's, a, that's still a pretty darn good starting line. I mean, we've all seen what, what Hyder's been able to do. I think Kevin Givens 
has really kind of stepped up in uh, Armstead's absence and also Kinlaw's absence. And I think you're right. I think of that group, Amenahue's uh, uh, been the uh, the star, sort of the breakout player. Uh, and um, uh, good for him. It's going to create some uh, questions for the 49ers because I think he's heading into his contract year. And, um, you know, they're going to have to decide whether to pay him or not. They probably wouldn't. That's sort of been their M.O. for guys uh, not named Bosa and, and Armstead and, and Kinlaw. But um, it's still a talented group. I talked to Amenahue today before the practice, and um, I was sort of impressed by just the, the pressure he puts on himself. He is not thinking that, um, you know, I asked him how he, he, how he thought he did against the Panthers, and I thought it was a really an outstanding game for him. He, he's the guy that came in and mostly played in, in Bosa's spot in the second half, and uh, he went down the list of all the mistakes that he made, all the would-be sacks that he missed. He was well aware of his shortcomings, and um, he's sort of driven to perfection. And I think that's a great attitude to have. I think his uh, exuberance matches very well with uh, Kacerik and Daryl Tapp and that coaching staff of that defensive line. So I think he's going to be a nice fit. Um, You know, uh, Dennis, he had been playing a lot of uh, defensive tackle. Uh, I would imagine that if there's no Bosa, he mostly plays on the outside and sort of has that long frame, um, not the, uh, as you noted, the track star that, that uh, Bosa is, but he's uh, he seems to play that position a little like Armstead does. What do you think? Yeah, he, he does. And, you know, playing on the inside, I, I can remember a couple of weeks ago, I kind of made a mistake and I thought it was him in their plan or it was it was Armstead, but it was actually him. So, you know, he's got, I think that, I think he's, he, he, he may feel more comfortable on the outside. He's got those long arms. He's a He's a tall guy, and he, he knows how to kind of run the hump, as we call it. He can get hip-to-hip with these offensive tackles, and he can turn the corner. Uh, then he has that ability, you know, that strip sack, which, you know, everyone's kind of doing now because he's got those long arms. Um, you know, I, I think with this D-line, I mean, you know, this this team so far has kind of gone with what their defensive their, their defense period has done. Uh, and now with it being as beat up as it is, it's going to be interesting to see if these guys uh, can answer the call and play at a high level when it comes Sunday. But, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, who, whoever's out there is going to have to get, you know, pressure on the quarterback. I mean, this is a mobile quarterback. I mean, he's, you know, he's getting a little bit older, but he's, it is a, mo- a mobile quarterback. He's a quarterback that can get to the edges and make a lot of plays. So, Containing the quarterback, uh, you know, the pressure up the middle. This is a, a quarterback that does kind of like to throw out the pocket, but it's a quarterback that doesn't mind getting on the edges and making plays. So you got to be very, very disciplined in your pass rush lanes, very disciplined in your pass rush, uh, your contain rush. Um, and it's going to be important. And, you know, this this defensive line has done well so far in this football season. Uh, but it's been with some of these guys like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. Those guys are missing, and the guys the guys have stood up. I mean, they've they've stood up and they played well. And we're going to see on Sunday, you know, if these are the, you, know, you talk about contract year. I mean, this is the problem you want to have. You have a bunch of guys who are hungry and who want to make plays and get out there and make plays. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend. And we, you know, there's some injuries in the um, uh, in the secondary. Emmanuel Mosley, he's out for this for the year. 
So now your coverage is not going to be as sticky as it was early in the football season. So we're going to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, so that that's interesting because Mosley's done with a torn ACL, but the 49ers have Jason Verrett warming up in the bullpen. However, to me, based on what Kyle Shanahan has said, and also considering the fact that this game on Sunday is again going to be on artificial turf, I think that it might still be at least one more week before we see Verrett activated from injured reserve and this might be also guys a good opportunity for the 49ers to uh, uh, rotate through even or just audition some of the younger options at that cornerback position you have Ambry Thomas who obviously started some big games for the 49ers last year sealed their playoff ticket against the Rams with the pick of Matthew Stafford you have Diameter Lenore who has been starting at nickelback he took over for Samuel Womack but Lenore was was a weak link in the defense this past game gave up 10 catches for 124 yards at nickel so maybe you give Lenore a little bit of run on the outside and you you try something else on the inside you go back to Samuel Womack the rookie and then there is Womack as well the 49ers draft at Womack with the thought that he had the perfect build to play slot cornerback, but he also has the speed to play outside corner if they need him to. Plus, beyond all three young guys, you have Dante Johnson on the practice squad, and and Dante is a trusted agent for the 49ers, especially after he delivered in the pinch for them last year. So, Matt, I tend to think that the most likely option at cornerback for the 49ers against Marcus Mariota and this Falcons team, which is great at number 10 on offense, but, but they're a lot better... Uh, DVOA. They're a lot better running the ball than passing the ball, and they don't have Corderell Patterson, their top rusher. So I think that the best option against this team that isn't great offensively is to give Jason Verrett some more runway. You don't have to go to him this week on the turf, and you know maybe mix and match a little bit at that cornerback position. See what you have because you know all these options have some ability. I just don't think that one stands out over the other yet at this point. Yeah, I was asked uh, in in a mailbag if Verrett's not ready, who's starts at, at cornerback and I, I noted that there's uh, there's no position that seems to have as much uh, jockeying much vacillation as the uh, as cornerback especially with these young guys I think the 49ers absolutely look how they practice during the week how they are in meetings etc cetera, etc cetera, and then let that sort of govern their decision they go with a hot hand so I think the hot hand uh, going into the Panthers game was Womack because uh, he was the one that came in when Mosley went out. But I don't know if that kind of suggests if he would be the guy on Sunday in Atlanta, too. I mean, they, they want these guys sort of going at each other in practice. All that competition sort of creates the best in that group. But uh, Womack is, is interesting because uh, I remember on draft day, everybody just kind of assumed that he would be the nickel guy. Uh, sort of looks like a nickel guy. They didn't have Kwan Williams coming back. Uh, he was going to be the heir apparent there. But I remember Adam Peters, the assistant GM, noting uh, that, um, you know, isn't the tallest guy in the world, but has very long arms. And the 49ers thought that he would be a possibility on the outside as well. Uh, and at least early in the season, they went with uh, Lenore as the, as the nickel guy and Womack as one of the backup outside guys. Now, um, we've seen... Plenty of turnover at that position, uh, Dennis, in, in the last year. At this time last year, the Amador Lenora was ahead of Ambry Thomas. They were both rookies, and uh, it seemed like Lenora was going to be the guy who took off. By the end of the year, as David noted, it was Ambry Thomas who was in the starting lineup playing huge minutes 
uh, in that uh, you know might as well have been a, a playoff game in in, in Los Angeles in, in week 18. So bottom line is I have no idea who's going to start there, but they do have some options. Yeah, and, and here here's my question. I mean, I want to get back to the injuries a little bit. Why is it? that the 49ers have such a hard time playing on AstroTurf when you have AstroTurf at your facility. Do they still have the AstroTurf at the facility? They do, but they don't really use it for practicing. They use it for kind of rehab stuff, um, you know, their their weight room training. Uh, I think that they concluded very early after that, that turf was put down that this is not something that we want to be practicing on on a, on a full-time basis. Well, that's interesting because when I was there, you know, we we practice at least, you know, once, you know, a week on the turf. If we had a walkthrough, you know, we practiced on the turf. But this was before they had the, you know, the logs and all the sleds and stuff and the weight room was outside. But George Seifert used that that turf when he knew a turf game was coming up. So, you know, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. You know, you're on grass and all of a sudden, you know, your body, your knees or whatever have to get used to the turf. You know, we talk about, you know, getting your, your time clock and all that stuff. I mean, your body's running around on, on AstroTurf. You probably should get it ready for running around on AstroTurf and you have it right there um, at your facility. I, it's just it's just it's interesting to me when it, whenever I see the 49ers plan on AstroTurf, I cringe the entire football game because I wait for the injuries yeah. to yeah. happen. And it seems like it always happens. And you have an opportunity to kind of maybe eliminate that a little bit. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, it's crazy because they had their usual string of serious injuries that we knew right after the game. And then you're just bracing yourself for Shanahan's injury reports on Monday and Wednesday. You're like, okay, that can't be it. There's going to be more than, lo and behold, there was more today. Yet Aaron Banks limited a practice due to knee tendonitis from the turf. Shanahan directly blamed the turf for it. And and you had a, an entire missed practice for Sansom Ebucom with that Achilles tendonitis. So, uh, yes, the, the body count here was was high uh, and it was related to the turf. There has been extensive data produced now on turf versus grass fields that, that, that there are more injuries on turf. I think the you know larger criticism here is that how are NFL teams, especially the team like the Panthers, which used to have grass in its stadium, how are they moving to turf? I mean, if anything, I get it if you used to have turf and then you're seeing all the data come out. Okay, let's move the grass now. You, you, this, this is a multi-billion dollar operation. But how could a team like the Panthers in recent years have moved from 
grass the turf to me that's inexcusable with uh, all the data out there and that's been it's been you know a, a loud point of contention in the 49ers locker room for years now Eric Armstead was really vocal about it in 2020 at MetLife Stadium after the 49ers lost both Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and Jimmy Garoppolo got the high ankle sprain there um, but Bosa and Thomas were ACL tears and this past game was George Kittle talking about the turf and how it's not good for you. So, you know, for everything that went wrong at the start of Levi Stadium, Matt, they couldn't get the grass right. At least it is grass, right? And now the grass yeah. is right there. And because it is right, it's much more likely that Jason Verrett comes back in two weeks and not this one on turf at Atlanta. Yeah, and, and I agree with Kittle. I mean, um, I, I realize that there are some stadiums, you know, Detroit, uh, you know, other dome facilities, the, the Superdome in New Orleans that can't grow grass, but the Southeast... <laughs> I grew up in the Southeast. I, 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 it felt like I was mowing the lawn three times a week sometimes. It's very easy to grow grass it's lush, in the Southeast. Yeah, it's it's lush. hot and it's wet. Um, and uh, for a team in the Southeast in very, very temperate Charlotte, North Carolina, not to have grass, I think, is, uh, is, is, is terrible. Um, but, you know, it's not like uh, bad injuries don't happen on, 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 on grass as well. D'Amico Ryans, the uh, defensive coordinator, once sued the Houston Texans um, because he um, got an Achilles tear. He was with the Eagles at this point uh, playing bear. And at that point, uh, that, that facility had grass. And they've since changed to turf. So um, it, uh, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to avoid injuries altogether. But as David noted, there are all sorts of studies out there that show that uh, more and more serious injuries tend to occur on turf. Uh, but Dennis, I'm going to throw your question back at you. When you were playing and you guys were practicing on artificial surfaces, did it have the you know the, the reputation? Did did you guys hate it um, as much as as the current group of 49ers seems to? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. Um, you know, so I, I played on some bad turf. I mean, I played yeah. in, in Philadelphia. You, you played at the vet, right? Yeah, yeah, where you know guys would just drop. But you know, as a big dude, you know, back then in the '90s, shoot, I thought the turf made me faster. So <laughs> you know, and the biggest fear with turf when I was in the league was that it was the turf burns. You know, when you when you hit the turf and it just ripped your skin off. Yeah. So I mean, we all I think we understood that it was basically just you know carpet on top of concrete. And I thought, you know, you look at college, college football, there's so many, so many um, stadiums with this new turf with the little rubber balls. And I remember going up to Washington and, and coming out of L.A. from high school uh, and the turf was really bad. But then Oregon came out with this new type of turf. So I thought, you know, the data was in that the turf was bad and they had improved it. But it, you know, it looks like maybe they haven't improved. It was just bad to play on turf. But when I was playing in the league, you know, a big man, a defensive lineman, we always thought it made us faster. You know, you didn't have to worry about wearing the big cleeks, you know, the longer cleeks for the grass. Of course, we came from Candlestick. We always thought the turf made us faster. But, you know, like like Dave said, you know, the, the stats, the data, you know, it doesn't lie. People get hurt on turf. Um, but I, I still think, you know, if, if the 49ers have such bad luck on turf, you would maybe during the week utilize that AstroTurf field that's right there, you know, at, at your facility. Maybe that helps a little bit because it seems like every season for the last three, four seasons, once the 49ers hit the turf is when guys drop. And, you know, that, that's just my concern. I mean, how do you get your, you know, how do you get 
yourself ready to play on AstroTurf, it's practicing on AstroTurf. Can there be a catch-22 there? To be, you're, you're running more reps on the turf in practice, and guys can get hurt in practice, too. You know, <laughs> it like, sounds like preseason. So, it, <laughs> so, so I don't know. And I think it sounds like the 49ers performance staff has determined that that the the percentage risk of an injury in practice is high enough to where they don't want to practice on it and they're just trying to minimize the turf reps. I don't know if that's correct or not. I think right. I think Dennis has a great point uh, that probably should be looked into. I'm guessing they have, but uh, I, you know I'm not an expert, so. Um, I think the overarching solution is that the NFL, you know, if they really care about player safety, they need to step in and say, hey, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. We're making a ton of money every year. Uh, you know, it, it is a right to be an NFL owner and to print money. You print money if, if you own an NFL franchise. So get your together and 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 have grass fields everywhere. I, I don't see what's you know I I don't see what's stopping the NFL from from doing that or you know or have the same I don't know. It, it's just it it's ridiculous to me that Carolina moved from grass to turf like we just said. They're in the lush southeastern climate. Uh, there's no excuse for it. They're just being cheap and. You know, David Tepper, their right. owner, is running a money factory. So, right. Um, right. yeah. So, I, well, I think so your first mistake that. is thinking NFL and owners kind of care. I think that's the, I think <laughs> well, that's I mean, we, we, we should we ought to give credit. I mean, uh, Kittle's point was that I mean, some of these teams go with turf fields because they say, well, you know, this is a multi-use stadium. We, we play football games here. Uh, we have concerts here. This, that, and the other. Well, you know, the 49ers just had Elton John at Levi Stadium. Um, you know, that ruined the, the current iteration of the turf. They're bringing in a whole new field uh, for the, the Chiefs game next week or in, in, in a week and a half. So uh, they're actually spending money, you know, growing the grass somewhere else, somewhere in the Central Valley, bringing it down and, and putting it down. So they'll, they'll have two or three different fields a year. Um, and so, you know, York is sort of putting money into that. Dave, Tepper absolutely has the pockets to do the same thing. Uh, as David said, it's just easier for them not to do it. Doesn't 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 take as much um, maintenance to, to have a turf field. Isn't the Levi's turf bill something a little bit over a million per year? And David Tepper's paying Matt Rule forty plus million to not coach anymore. Well, there you go. So <laughs> it's just about it's just about money allocation. Yeah. So the 49ers got a coach fired this past week. By the way, we didn't talk yeah. about that. I mean, Rule was on the hot seat. Clearly. I mean, why don't we talk about that a little bit, man? I mean, speaking of organizational incompetence, first they move from from turf to grass in Carolina. Uh, no, from grass to turf in Carolina, but then with People's jobs on the line, the Carolina Panthers, the the people whose jobs were on the line thought that their jobs would be saved by entering the season with a quarterback room of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Um, obviously, uh, we can chime in later and say that that wasn't a very good idea, especially after what we saw this last week. I mean, Baker Mayfield just throwing one high to Emmanuel Mosley, taking it back. But uh, Tim Kawakami, on you know our, our colleague at the Athletic, wrote about this: the incompetence of these other teams who decided to go with these clearly inferior options to, to Jimmy Garoppolo, who didn't even really, I guess they investigated Jimmy Garoppolo, but they were just too afraid to pull the trigger on, on, on a trade because of the shoulder that has ended up benefiting the 49ers because you can't really credit the 49ers that much for keeping Jimmy Garoppolo because they were trying to trade him. They just couldn't find a suitor. Right. But because teams like Carolina who obviously in retrospect now very obviously would have been better suited by trading for Jimmy Garoppolo instead of going for Baker Mayfield because teams didn't do that. Garoppolo came back to the 49ers 
And now Matt, by, you know, just by, by, sometimes it's better be lucky than good. Uh, The 49ers actually have a competent quarterback situation. Yeah. I mean, look at the teams that we were talking about in the off season as, as possible landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo. It was Washington who ended up going with Carson Wentz. And that's been a controversy this, this week. Uh, The head coach there really kind of called out the quarterback position. Uh, The Colts are terrible. Uh, They went with Matt Ryan. Um, you know, you just talked about Carolina and their decision. And then, you know, next on the, uh, on the list for the 49ers is, is the Falcons. And they went very early on. I don't, I don't think that they were players uh, for Garoppolo. They went very early on with Marcus Mariota. And, uh, you know, they're probably doing the best out of that group. But um, this is the, uh, the, the, the could have had Jimmy uh, revenge tour for, for Garoppolo. So, um, you know, and, and, and Washington is yet to come on the schedule. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, some of these teams, uh, you know, that, that's always what happens uh, with, with uh, trades and acquisitions. Uh, a team thinks, yeah, this guy struggled in his last city, but once he gets here with our coaches, we're going to turn this guy into a superstar. Uh, and, and, and nobody really kind of uh, looked at Garoppolo that way. It was almost the opposite. Yeah, he's won a lot of games, but gee, uh, maybe it was because of Shanahan. Maybe it was because of their rushing attack. And, and obviously the, the shoulder injury played a, a big factor in that. But it seems like he, his reputation around the league is less than it should be, whereas somebody like Baker Mayfield is higher than it should be. Um, and um, uh, David's right. Uh, some of these teams are, are paying the price because of sort of that, that skewed logic that they use. John Lynch looks like some type of, you know, wizard. You know, he's, he's you know, some, for some reason, Jimmy Garoppolo is now the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers again. Uh, and he wins another football game. You know, and he beats the Rams. And this was a guy that we all said would not be a 49er. And here he is now leading the football team. So... I mean, John Lynch looks like he, you know, he works some type of miracle. None of these teams would want to sign Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, like you said, Dave, it's, it's really, it's good luck, but it's bad luck. His shoulder was bad. Everybody thought it was bad. No one was interested. And here he is, you know, winning football games. So, I mean, it's worked out well so far. Uh, I, I think Jimmy, I think we know with Jimmy, who Jimmy is. And, and, you know, we saw it again you know, against the Panthers. That's, you know, he, he needs a running game. Jeff Wilson Jr. He needs, he needs a hundred yard running game. He needs uh, receivers, Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo, and he's going to be fine. I mean, he's going to throw some balls high and throw some balls low. He's going to make you question some of his throws, but you know, he's going to be Jimmy uh, and he's, and he knows the offense and he's going to be efficient at it. So, you know, it, it does. I never thought about that. The revenge tour, you know, this is, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. You know, as these teams look and, you know, we see a coach get fired and, you know, Baker Mayfield, I mean, I don't know. He just looked, he looked off. I know the, you know, the rush got kind of got after him, his offensive line, let him down a little bit, but he, he, he just looked real bad. You know, it, he just, some of the things, some of his decision-making was really bad. And I, and I, I thought for some reason he was a decent quarterback. Um, but he looked bad against the 49ers. So go Jimmy, go 49ers. Well, you know, this is kind of buried in history. And, you know, this, this refresher might be useful to some people. Bill Walsh and the dynastic 49ers, I don't think it was in their grand plans to have Joe Montana 
uh, win a Super Bowl in 88 and definitely wasn't to, to run through the league in 1989. But if, if you remember, they were trying to play Steve Young in 1988. Uh, the first half of that season, the 49ers were kind of limping along. They made it to six and five, but they're out of the playoff picture. They were alternating between Steve Young and Joe Montana. And it finally got to the point where they had an ugly, ugly pair of losses first to the Phoenix Cardinals. It wasn't the Arizona Cardinals. And it was the Phoenix Cardinals where they're up 23, nothing. The 49ers were in the desert and Steve Young was the starter and they blew that game and they lost 24 to 23 side note in that game. Uh, Bill Walsh got run over by a gunner or somebody returning a punt. And it, Bill Walsh literally broke his ribs in that game. Like the coach got hurt. And um, the next week, the 49ers then lost to the Raiders. I think it was the LA Raiders at the time, nine to three. They put up only three points. So the 49ers were there leaking oil, struggling. Walsh was yo-yoing his quarterback, Steve Young and Joe Montana. Because but Walsh, I think, obviously in retrospect, wanted to go to Steve Young. He wanted to make Steve his quarterback of the future, but he was essentially forced to play the veteran Montana the rest of the year. What happened? The 49ers ripped off a bunch of wins and they won the Super Bowl to close 1988 season. And then Montana took over the league. Probably you should say he retook over the league in 1989. And Steve Young would ride the bench all the way until 1991, right? The 49ers almost three-peated. And uh, so it's... I don't think that was by design, but like almost by luck, because some stuff went poorly, the 49ers went to to what worked. And, you know, if you look at it here with this situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, Lynch and Shanahan, in, in retrospect, I think a lot of people are going to be saying, oh, boy, they're really smart to keep Jimmy around. But at some point, they needed some of that luck to, to break in their favor. And so sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I would say it's best to be lucky and good in this case. And Matt, I mean, we talk about the way that Jimmy played. If he can continue delivering on third down the way that he did against the Carolina Panthers, they're going to be A-OK because 7-12 of on third down with some of the throws he made just hanging in there. I mean, he got blown into another planet on the one that he threw to Tevin Coleman by two edge rushers. But Richard Sherman tweeted about it. He said, Jimmy dug 10 toes into the ground. He didn't cower away from it. He hung in there. You could call Jimmy Garoppolo a lot of things. There could, you know, There's a lot of criticism about the interception rate. The accuracy still isn't, I don't think, fully there this year. That's still improving. But the efficiency is there, and it's there in large part because he's making good decisions. And that toughness is unquestionable. You can't question the guy's toughness, right? I mean, he hung in there, and he delivered in this game several times on third down. Yeah, I think that's been important to him over the last couple of seasons. Uh, remember kind of the, the critiques that were coming out of New England for um, an episode that happened in 2016. Uh, remember, he was starting the season because Brady at the time had been suspended. And there was one week where um, Garoppolo had sustained a, a shoulder injury. And um, it looked like he might be able to, to play the next week. And then at the end of the week, he, he basically said he couldn't. And it meant uh, that, that his backup had to go in and um, he was uh, hurt as well. Uh, and that did not sit well with some of their, their Patriots teammates. And so, uh, like I said, it sort of developed this not a tough guy reputation. And I think last year, um, especially in the playoffs, when he was dealing with both the uh, the thumb ligament injury and the the shoulder uh, issue, which ended up requiring surgery and was basically the, the story of the offseason for the 49ers, he gutted his way through that. 
um, and um, you know gutted his way to the point where they almost made it to the Super Bowl. So I, I think that went a long way. I think uh, you know, th- this is me reading into the situation, no, no firsthand knowledge here, but I thought that Garoppolo felt as if he had kind of proven himself to the rest of the league. Yeah, I can play injured. Yes, I can play injured in big games. Yes, I can play injured in big games and still come out with wins. And that um, he would be more sought after uh, in the offseason than, than he ultimately was. Uh, and, and now he's doing it again with, with, with throws like that. So I, I think that's important to him. Um, he comes from a, a working class family uh, full of, of boys and brothers. And, um, you know, uh, they're all kind of defensive guys growing up. And uh, I, I think he wants to be a tough guy. And uh, I, I think he's showing that. Uh, Dennis, were, were you impressed with some of the hits that he took on Sunday? Now, quarterbacks are never tough guys, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I should have I known that was going to be the response. But no, here, here's, a, here's a question. I mean, you know, I know it's early, and I know what everyone's going to say, but if Jimmy Garoppolo has – I'm not talking to go to a Super Bowl. I'm talking if he just, if he just has a, a Jimmy Garoppolo-like season. You know, if he wins 10 football games, he gets into the playoffs and does whatever – do you rethink it and say, well, maybe this is a starting quarterback and bring him back to the football team and, and just continue? I know everybody's going to be like, no, Trey Lance has got to do this. He's got to get his reps. He's got to be the starter. You can't go back and forth. But, I mean, what do you do? I mean, what do you, I mean if he has a decent football, and, and this is his contract year, and, you know, and then you redo his contract again, why wouldn't you bring your best quarterback in the room back as a starter so to answer your question if he has you know a kind of a middling year i think if they only win 10 games if he has a middling year but the way that he he's played the last two weeks if you look at the efficiency numbers he's number one in the nfl the shanahan garoppolo partnership the last two weeks has been the most efficient quarterback play caller partnership in the nfl i don't know if that's going to continue but it certainly is promising for the 49ers because a he hasn't like i said his accuracy still isn't fully back we expect that to get better with the more rust that he knocks off but he's already figuring out a way to be the top efficiency quarterback in the NFL over the past two weeks. We'll see what happens moving forward as defenses make adjustments, but he also presumably gets healthier if the 49ers keep him clean. And if he continues playing at this clip, uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I think he's your starting quarterback moving forward. You you make adjustments on the fly in the NFL. I don't know if that's likely, though, right? I think there might be a little bit of regression. There could be another injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, which is the first it, it, that that goes back to the reason why uh, they, they did draft Trey Lance, right? They needed a quarterback that was going to be more dependably available for them. So, so much can still happen. But I think if this team just wins 10 games, barely squeaks into the playoffs and then takes an early exit, I think it's still the same plan, right? You, you, you drafted Trey Lance for a reason. You're trying to go to that rookie contract. You're trying to ultimately raise the ceiling of the offense. But if Jimmy lights the world on fire, especially if they win the Super Bowl, it's a slam dunk, right? If they win the Super Bowl, and Jimmy Garoppolo plays at this level. They're paying Jimmy Garoppolo all the money that that, that he wants, and Trey Lance is either traded or or whatever. But that's not likely, right? That's only one out of thirty-two teams is going to win. So more likely than not, you're going to end up in some of this middle ground, Matt, where they're going to have to take a long, hard look at just how efficient and how good Jimmy Garoppolo 
was for the team over the course of this year and whether they think that Trey Lance can surpass that. And it's too early to answer that question, in my opinion. He's also going to want a lot of money, too, uh, especially if he does well. Um, but I, I will say that, uh, you know, coming out of last season, the 2021 season, their biggest question with Trey Lance was, oh, boy, uh, can this guy stay healthy? And that, that was unexpected. Um, you know, we, we've gone over the, the, the injuries that he had last year, but it, it surprised the 49ers and it kind of um, gave them pause. You know, is this just bad luck or does this guy tend to get injured? And boy, you know, how, how it's gone this year has not kind of helped that, uh, that question mark in their mind. Um, you know, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo had the same reputation. So um, it's going to be a, a, a good question. Um, we tend to, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, how bad Jimmy was playing in, in Denver. So this is going to this is going to kind of uh, uh, wax and wane, uh, vacillate throughout the season. Uh, right now, he's coming off a win, uh, kind of a tough guy win where he, he and the offense played well. Uh, they've just got to keep it up. And I, I know that nobody wants to look past the, the Falcons, but there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that Chiefs game if, if they win in Atlanta. And uh, the rematch of the Super Bowl and the contrast between him and Patrick Mahomes, we're going to be talking about that ad nauseum for a little while. But that'll be, that'll be nice. That'll be a, a really good... Um, case in point, can he and this team keep pace with uh, what's really the, the class of the NFL in terms of offense and the quarterback position? Yeah, and I think this week is going to be huge because, you know, we talked early in the season, you know, with this, the way this defense was playing and the way the offense was struggling, that there was going to be a game where the offense really needed to click. And I think this is going to be the week. I think there's going to be some hiccups. Uh, on this defense. I don't think you're going to get the same pass rush. I don't think you're yeah. going to get the same sticky coverage. I think this is going to be a game where that offense really has to be uh, clicking on all cylinders. And I think this is going to be a big week, you know, for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this is what his fourth, third, fourth start, uh, you know, and, and it's time, you know, to see just how he runs this offense, you know, how, how um, you know, how him and Kyle Shanahan can create uh, you know, creative plays and, and keep the ball moving, long possessions, and at the end, touchdowns. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Robbie Gold. No one talks about, I mean, what his injury is. Will you have an extra point kicker? Do you have a kicker, a field goal kicker? So it's going to be important that this offense is very efficient in this football game because your defense may not be there to pitch that shutout this week. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point because it's it's about complementary football, right? And and I think last week was a good example. The 49ers, every phase of the game, well, except for special teams, that's a it's a story that you know that's interesting right now. Kyle Shanahan pointed out Atlanta's good at blocking kicks, and the 49ers have been bad at blocking for their kicks. And Robbie Gold might be missing. They assigned Sam Sloman to the practice squad. He might be kicking for him on Sunday. Special teams got to get its act together, uh, but offense really started pulling its weight against Carolina. And that might have to be the case again here against Atlanta. Again, the Falcons, not a great football team, but they're competitive this year. 
Um, without Cordell Patterson, that's tough. Uh, Kyle Pitts might be back this week after missing last week. And they have Grady Jarrett on the inside. And, you know, Grady Jarrett's given the 49ers trouble before. Falcons beat the 49ers in 2019, thanks in large part to Grady Jarrett. I think, like, the, the MVP of that game was obviously Julio Jones. He's no longer with Atlanta. So this is a much more limited pass attack that, than it was in the past. But you know what? Two good lines of scrimmage over there in Atlanta. It's a road game. We mentioned on the previous podcast, these guys are probably going to be a little bit pissed off because uh, I think they felt that they got robbed against the Buccaneers on that rather bogus roughing the passer call against Tom Brady would have given Atlanta the ball back down six late in that game instead automatic first down for Tampa Bay. So, you know, it all lines up for something that that could be challenging for the 49ers back end of the road trip, you know, all that. So they got to watch out. And the line opened up at six and a half 49ers favored and it's down to five and a half, probably because the 49ers rash of injuries and, and, you know, the fact that Nick Bosa uh, right now, his status is, is in question. So uh, I think the 49ers might have to gut one out and, you know, I could go ahead and toss this to, to the predictions right now. I think they will gut it out, but I think it's going to be, this is going to be one of those like games that, that Jimmy Garoppolo has to, has to come through in the clutch for the 49ers at the end. I don't know if it's going to be New Orleans like in 2019 when the defense was leaking oil, because I don't think Atlanta's offense is that good. But I do think that Atlanta will get in the 20s in this game against the 49ers defense. It will be one of the few games that teams score in the 20s against this defense. And I think the 49ers offense is going to have to respond with a, uh, let's say it's going to be a funky score. 26-24, they're going to win this one. What do you guys think? Well, they, they usually do well on the second. Uh, they usually do, do well on both <laughs> ends of the uh, the two-game road trips. But the, the second game has been pretty spectacular sometimes. Uh, I remember the 2019 season, they, they went and they lost in Baltimore to uh, uh, against a really good uh, Ravens team. And then the next game was that shootout in New Orleans. And I, I still feel like that was Jimmy Garoppolo's mm-hmm. best game, or at least most pro- prolific game, uh, in a dome on turf against the NFC South team. Uh, boy, it, it would be nice if uh, they could duplicate that uh, in Atlanta. So I do think that the 49ers are going to win. Um, they're just a more talented team and the Falcons' best offensive player, Cordero Patterson won't play in this game. Kyle Pitts is, is iffy at this point. Uh, so not a lot of firepower with the Falcons. Um, but, of course, the, the 49ers defense is uh, a little bit iffy as well. So uh, I, I don't, I don't want to copy David. <laughs> it's going to be really <laughs> close. I'm going to go uh, 27-20 San Francisco 49ers. What about you, Dennis? I look at this offense, and, and I do think this is going to be the week that this offense finally puts it together. And, you know, Dave, you predicted it last week. I mean, you know, in the 30s. I, I didn't see that's going to happen. But even in that game, the score could have been a lot higher. They lost they, – they left a lot of points on on the field. I think I think George Kittle gets more involved this, uh, this week. I think you'll see him in the end zone at least twice. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and his run game, I think – this I think this offense blows up this week and they get back up, back up into the 30, 35 points. I just don't I think the defense is going to give up some points, unfortunately, uh, because of the, you know, not having that sticky coverage in the back end and not having that that intense pass rush. But I do see 
the 49ers scoring 30 points. So I'm going to predict uh, 35-17. Ooh, Dennis, believer in the 49ers offense yeah. now. Yeah, like I it. am. I am. Yeah, do you guys believe me now? Carolina sucks. Yeah, they were. Yeah, <laughs> you, were you were right on that. <laughs> they should fire their coach. Yeah, <laughs> those guys are terrible. <laughs> you oh were right God. on. You were perfect on that. And it could have been more points. It could have been I was more a point points. off. I said 27 6, so that was a 21 point spread. They won by 22, so got to be better this week. I think they only won by two. I think Atlanta's better than Carolina, and the 49ers are more injured. So I think there's going to be a tighter margin. But hey, the 49ers are the only team in the NFC West with a positive point differential. And it, like it's by quite a bit. Everybody else, I don't have it in front of me right now. I think the 49ers clearly here through five weeks, the best team, most around, well-rounded team in their division. Um, and because of that, you know, even when you're shorthanded, you, you win games like this, right? You, th- these are the kind of games you got to stack. And then guess who's next? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be very, very, very fun. All right, guys, any other thoughts? Before we sign this one off, that's it for me. It's very nice out here in West Virginia, so uh, yeah. a really good uh, place to prepare for a uh, an early season game. Yeah, and you know, my question is, what's Robbie Go's status? He did not practice on Wednesday. Um, I saw him walking around at the Greenbrier without a limp, so it's not uh, obviously a uh, an IR type of injury. So. We're going to have to see whether he practices Thursday or Friday for him. Just cover kicks better so he doesn't have to be tackling guys. I mean, that was the issue, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. Right. Like The yeah. special teams right now, guys, it's it's ranked lower than it was last year in DVOA, which is not good. They replaced their coordinator and spent the offseason stocking up on special teams, guys, and they're ranked number 29. A lot of it's because of the kicking game, but the return, the the coverage was, wasn't good the other day. Uh, on the kick coverage. Now, the Matt's pointed out the punting has been good, and Mitch Wisnowski just got his extension. He, that looks well-deserved for me. The punt coverage has been good, but it's been kind of Jekyll and Hyde with the different units on special teams, right? So they need to get it together because the 49ers don't want that phase of the game uh, ruining things. But that's my final thought. Cool, guys. All right. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. Talk to you after the 49ers and the Falcons this coming weekend. Thanks for listening to Here's the Catch.